From the Heart is brought to you by Oatly. For totally true facts about oat milk, go to oatly.com. That's O-A-T-L-Y dot com. Do you send money internationally? I know from experience that with globalization taking place among businesses all over the world, it's not surprising that the need to send money around the world is becoming much more common. And it's no longer the difficult, expensive thing it used to be, especially when you use TransferWise. Why should you use TransferWise? Three syllables, exchange rate. When you send money abroad with most providers, they usually don't give you the real exchange rate. They mark it up. Remember, if the rates pretend, you must not send. But TransferWise is different. TransferWise uses clever new technologies so you can always get the real rate when you convert currencies. It lets you send money quickly and seamlessly between over 70 currencies and you pay only one small upfront fee and more of your money gets to the other side. That's why The Economist says TransferWise takes a machete to the hefty fees other services charge. But you don't need to take their word for it. More than 4 million people are already saving. Sign up at transferwise.com yoga to test it out for free or download the app. TransferWise even has a multi-currency account that lets you hold over 40 currencies and convert them whenever you like. Test it out for free at transferwise.com yoga or download the app. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I am in a kind of an interesting space right now. I've had a really, really beautiful, fun morning. I'm recording this. It's May 1st. So in Aruba, this is a complete off day. Everything is closed. Feels like Sunday. I think most, a lot of places in the world today is an off day, right? <laughs> I know in Sweden it is too. But the whole island shuts down. So it really feels like a Sunday. And I just cooked brunch with a friend and her daughter and the kids were playing and just had a had a really beautiful morning and then I preparing now to sit down and record Dennis is away he's been in, in Europe for a couple of days so I'm alone with the baby and I was just feeling good you know at peace and I sit down to record I turn on the mic and then I hear a little like ding in my phone and I'm like oh I gotta turn my phone on silent but then you know how it goes at least this is what this is what it's like for me I can put my phone away to focus on something and then my phone distracts me and I go to do one thing and then 15 minutes later I'm still sitting there with my phone in my hand so it was kind of like that just now I heard like a little ding and I'm like oh I have to turn it off and then I go and I see it's an email I pull up this email and it's just not awesome news I'm not gonna get into it because for me whenever I am thrown something or whenever I receive something or come across something that throws me off a little bit, I do my very best to not vent immediately or to not make it into drama or to not drop into this like, oh my God, this happened and he said, she said, la la la. But I like to give myself some space to process or at the very least, I, I try to process with Dennis before processing on this podcast in front of a million people. <laughs> So I'm not going to go into detail about, you know, who the email was from or what it was about, but it was just something that really lowered my spirits. And and it just strikes me now how how easy it is to go from a high to a total low. And maybe it is because I'm I'm very in sync with my feelings right now. I'm feeling a lot. And I've uh, last week I had the episode called Healing the Heart. I spoke a lot about our Healing the Heart retreat, which is all about feeling our feelings and learning how to sit with our emotions. So it's a practice I'm very immersed in right now. So I think I'm noticing it more than I normally do, just how my emotional state moves and shifts. But just now, just before recording, and I think if I hadn't picked up my phone to read that email, this would have turned into a totally different type of podcast. 
because I was in a very different energy space. And then I read this email and I feel like, I feel like a deflated balloon. Like, oh, it's just that it's something that I poured my whole heart into and it wasn't received the way it felt from my end. You know, which happens sometimes. Sometimes we do the best we can with something and and it doesn't turn out great or we feel that something turned out great and then the other person just was expecting something different or it's not for them and we can bend over backwards and try our best and we're not going to be able to please everyone. And people pleasing for me, especially when it's, if it's something that I've really put my heart and soul into, it's a, a very sensitive space for me and something that I'm working with too. But it just strikes me how easy it is to go between these two ends of the spectrum and I think most of us do a lot of the time I like to believe that I have a somewhat stable emotional state I don't know and as I'm reflecting on this right now I just maybe I'll I'll throw the question out there when was the last time you felt like you went from a super high to a super low or from a low to a high Uh, I like to believe it happens multiple times a day. (laughs) Maybe not these huge contrasts of mega happy to mega sad. And it's not like I'm sitting here mega sad, but it was just very noticeable for me, this feeling of contentment to this feeling of, oh, you know, that didn't feel good at all. And I'm reading a lot of of really amazing books right now. I just cleaned out my bookshelf. We have this huge, I mean, a really big bookshelf. It kind of, it's a whole big wall of our of our living room. And each shelf has different layers. So what you see on the outside is just kind of half of the books. There's, I mean, I have hundreds of books. And I've been wanting to clean out this bookshelf forever, like Marie Kondo style. <laughs> just to really, and with books, it's hard, I feel, because if, if once a book has touched me, I want to keep it. Even though maybe I'm not likely to read the book again, or I'm not you know, resonating with it right now. But if I can remember that, oh, I used to love this book, then I keep it. But I love the idea of, you know, does it spark joy? Yes or no. And I just took all the books out of the bookshelf, put them in a huge pile, sorted them after categories. I had fiction over here. And then I had my books on yoga over here, books on meditation over here, books on food and health over here. And then I had a whole section of books that have cracked my heart open. And that section is big. And that's the one I kind of put in the front. And I got rid of a ton of books, books that I just know like I'm never going to read again. Or that was from a time in my life that doesn't resonate anymore. Or a book someone gifted me, but I never read it because it just didn't feel like it was for me. So I, I got rid of a ton of books and I, that I'm giving away, of course. But now it kind of unearthing all these books, I found a ton that I just forgot that I had because they were in the back of the shelf somewhere. And then suddenly now I have this stack of books on my nightstand that are just, it just makes me giddy with excitement just to walk by because it's like, oh, it's like a little gold mine of amazing stuff. And I'm reading a lot of books on spirituality now and some books, like there's a book from um, by Osho or... I know Osho, he never actually wrote books. There, most of them are discourses, kind of transcribed, so talks and lectures that he would give. But there's a book on joy that I, use, I haven't read in a decade, maybe, that I'm rereading right now. And about finding joy that really is derived from the present moment, regardless of what the present moment presents you. And I know uh, if you've ever read Power of Now, I feel like I talk about the Power of Now a lot in this podcast. It's a book that really changed my life when I was a teenager. Um, Amazing. If you haven't read it, go read it by Eckhart Tolle. He's magical. But the core concept of that book is that if we're in the present moment, we're not going to be so easily swayed between the high and the low. 
You know, we're going to be always, whenever we're anchored into ego or into this attachment to to the material world or, you know, whenever we're holding on to anything really, whenever we're not immersed in the here and now, we're always going to be very sensitive and kind of going with emotions of the sadness to the joy, to the drama, to the panic, to the oh no, to the yes. And it's going to be this kind of constant flow of drama in our lives all the time. Which is true. I mean, if you think about it, we, we, we wake up in the morning and then we spend our whole days with opinions and judgments about everything that goes on around us. We say, this is bad and this is good. And oh my God, I can't believe he did that and she did that. And this person shouldn't have done that to me, but they did. And I cannot believe this and this. And if you really become aware of how your mind works in that way, it's exhausting. I mean, it's never, ever ending. <laughs> really, it's never ending. And I can catch myself, you know, if I'm not mindful, if I'm having a bad week, if I'm, you know, stressed or if I'm not in a good space, my mind gets really busy, really judgmental and really complainy also. That's when I kind of lose the sight, I lose sight of the big picture and I start getting nitpicky with things that aren't working in my life. Like, you know, like I get really annoyed by the fact that Dennis throws his dirty socks on the floor all the time. I mean, every day. He does that every day. (laughs) He has done that every day since the day I met him. I should feel like I should be aware of this by now. Like I should be, you know, prepared that this is just what it is. He's not going to change. It's just the socks are on the floor, you know. And it's, you know, instead of fighting with him about it, which I only ever do if I'm having a bad day or I'm like, oh, you know, I've, a lot of things felt like they didn't work for me today. And then I come home and then the fucking sweaty socks that he ran with or biked with or whatever. And he always leaves them right next to the to the hamper. Like, right. I'm like, you know, just move your hand two inches to the left and then drop your socks. And then they're in the hamper. Like, come on. <laughs> How hard is it? Apparently very hard because, you know, it's every day and we fight about it or I get annoyed with it all the time. But actually, you know, if I could accept the fact that those socks are just going to be there, you know, it's always been that way. I married him that way. And actually the person causing the issue is not Dennis putting his socks on the floor. It's me annoyed or resisting the fact that his socks are on the floor. And I'm using this as a super silly example, of course, but you can put it towards anything. It's that resistance to what actually is unfolding. That's the pain, right? That's the annoyance. That's the, oh, I can't believe that. Oh, like, you know, all the stuff that stirs us to drama comes from the resistance. It could be, oh, look, Dennis' socks is on the floor. Same way for him, you know, moving his hand two inches to the left to drop them in the hamper. I could just pick them up and put them in the hamper. It takes me one second. I mean, I do it, but I do it kind of resentfully every day rather than um, just picking them up and putting them there because who gives a shit, really? If I give a shit, I can pick them up, you know, no big deal. But instead, often I make it into this thing that I'm annoyed by, right? <laughs> and we all have those things, of course, with our spouses and with our people. And, you know, we spend every day together. There's going to be a million gazillion little things that annoy us with each other, of course. But looking at the bigger picture of this husband that I have, who's absolutely amazing, who does so much for me, who will drop everything in his life to come support me, who's always by my side, who will literally put his whole life aside to be there for me at any moment of the day. I mean, he's, he's the most amazing man, an amazing father, an amazing, I mean, he's the best. I lucked out with this guy, right? So why do I make it a big deal that he puts his socks on the floor when I have all of these amazing qualities to focus on instead? Well, because I'm resisting what is. And because I'm reading all these books now, I'm kind of feeling myself in the motion of that, that whenever I'm faced with something that immediately shifts me from peace into not peace, whether that's like a moment ago from peace to sadness, I felt sad that what I had 
created didn't resonate well with someone or wasn't received the way I wanted it to be received, you know? And I feel like there, sh- there could be a way for me to, to notice that with a little bit more space, right? If I was less attached to the outcome of what I was doing and if I was just doing it purely because, because of the love that it brings me to create what I created. And that's true. Like, you know, I, I created something with total presence, total love. There was nothing weird, no bad energies in my creation of it at all. So if I was just present with that, then actually I wouldn't have felt sad at all. It wouldn't have really mattered as much how it was received because actually that has more to do with the other person than me, right? I have no idea what state of mind they were in when they received what I, what I gave them, right? I have no idea what kind of day they had. I mean, if they'd just been through something super intense and awful or they just had a shitty day or they feel like, you know, maybe they had a totally different picture in their minds of what, what, what was going to happen or what was going to unfold than what I had. And it's just our expectations didn't match and it has nothing personal, nothing to do with me at all. It's just expectations were different, right? So there's like, of course, a gazillion reasons as to why this was received differently, none of which I have to attach any type of personality into or any type of, mm, like sometimes, you know, if things don't go our way, we take it as, oh, but I'm not good enough. That's why, you know, if I was a little better at what I do, it would have been received better. Or, you know, if I was a little bit more that way, maybe they would like me more. Or, you know, we kind of think that if we shift and change and alter who we are and we can do better, then everything will be easier and then we will have no problems and we won't ever be sad. And actually, that's also total bullshit. (laughs) You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Since well-being is something we talk about every week on this show, the people over at Oatly asked me to talk a little bit about climate change this week too, because of course, when you think about it, climate change is an issue at the centers of everyone's well-being. And as we know, it's a topic that can feel overwhelming at times, maybe because we feel like we're just waiting for the politicians to create laws to slow down the planet's current progression toward being uninhabitable. See, okay, I've spoken about climate change now for like 20 seconds, and I'm already feeling overwhelmed. But don't worry, it says right here, there is good news. Us non-politicians do have the power to make a difference right now. It might sound cliche, but it's true that small changes do add up. Things like being thoughtful about how we get from one place to the other, or if you're not already totally vegan, just try switching from cow's milk to plant-based milk. The fact that we no longer need an animal to make something to put on our cereal or in our coffee is seriously good news. And since we're in the middle of an ad for Oatly, it seems like the perfect time to mention that oat milk tastes really good on your cereal and in your coffee and uses a lot less water, less land, and creates far less greenhouse gas emissions than cow's milk. So if you're a non-politician like me or a politician who occasionally also doubles as a regular human being and you want to do something now about having a planet to live on in the future, maybe think about switching over to Oatly. Or at least find out more about Oatly. Oatly is the vegan plant-based oat milk company originally from Sweden that's now making their oat milk on this side of the Atlantic. Oatly oat milk is a sustainable milk alternative made from oats. To find out more, go to oatly.com. That's O-A-T-L-Y dot com. Or look for Oatly on Instagram at O-A-T-L-Y. I think more than anything, the total opposite is true. If I bend over backwards to try to please everyone, I'm going to eventually totally forget who I am. And I'm not going to feel that love in the present moment from creating just because I love to create this my way. If I try to create purely for thinking of how it's going to be received, you know, I'm going to lose my essence of that and then I'm not going to enjoy it anymore. So am I making sense? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm making sense. This is one of those podcasts where I just like sit down and like, whoa, you know, I kind of start talking off the top of my, off from my heart, off the top of my head. But I, I think all of us really, and this is something that comes back to me again and again, the idea of holding on and letting go. It's a, it's a big thing in all of our lives. I mean, it, it really is. And that idea, sometimes it can be really annoying. Have you ever been in a yoga class where the teacher says, you know, let go? I say it in class a lot. And if you're in that space, you know, it can really open you in a way. And like, yes, oh, you know, let, let go it could mean just to drop my shoulders. It could be, mean to stop resisting the pose. It could mean to just let the breath come, you know. But it could also mean hey, I want to let go of all this stuff that I have in my life, all these experiences and people and shit that isn't working, but what the fuck does it mean? Who really knows the meaning of letting go? You know, really embodying what it means to let go. I think we've all had experiences of surrender, but it's something that's very, very hard to put into words and something that you can't really teach anybody. You know, I can't teach you. This is how you let go. Here's A to Z. You have something in your life you want to let go of. Here's how you do it. I mean, it's, it's impossible because letting go or the act of surrendering has to connect with something greater than ourselves. It has to connect on a very deep spiritual level where we get to that point in life where we say, hey, I can't stay in charge of this anymore. I can do this on my own. Hey, it's not up to me right now. It's not up to me, you know if this stays in my life or if it goes. It's not up to me how this is going to be received. It's up to me to create, but I can't decide how the other person is going to feel reading what I wrote or, you know, eating the thing I baked or whatever it is that that we want to have, you know, received on the other end. So that act of letting go, usually for us, it has to come from a place of, of connection to God. At least that's what I think. So yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking now, just feeling into my body a little bit. I was thinking I would start this podcast with a little bit of breath and kind of grounding, but then I just had a lot to get off my chest. But how about we do that right now? <laughs> so just closing your eyes if you have that space and maybe taking a moment just to see what does it feel like in your body when I say, let go. When you hear those words, let go, let go, let go. How does that resonate? Does it make you tense up? Does it make you feel... Oof, a little uncomfortable or maybe frustrated. I don't know what that means. How am I supposed to know what that means? How would I do that? Or does it, you know, the words or the idea of letting go, does it inspire a longing inside of you? Maybe there's something inside of you that you know you want to release yourself or free yourself from. Maybe there's something heavy you've been carrying around, maybe a person, you know, maybe someone you lost and they're still with you and it's hard. I feel like we all have baggage that we want to release that we want to surrender but just sitting with that for a second what does it feel like in my body when I hear those words let go for me right now it gives me the automatic urge to just put my hands on my belly you know and we hold a lot there in the belly usually if we feel unsupported we get really tense here if we're not trusting we usually lose connection to the belly so if you want right now, try to really relax the lower belly. And especially I think as women, we spend a lot of time holding on here. We grow up thinking we have to have this flat stomach and we have to be thin and fit. And a lot of us grow up holding our stomachs in to try to look thinner or look different. Or maybe we even do it totally unconsciously. And if we've done it for a lifetime or for a long time, just kind of that little holding on of the belly, the idea of actually letting the belly go 
there's that word again, letting go. But the idea of actually letting the belly go, it can take some time. Maybe it feels really weird. So if you really just now, just put your hands on your belly and just let it relax. Try to bring a little bit of warmth, a little bit of softness all the way into the space beneath your belly button and let your belly just soften. You can even try to expand it a little bit. Just bring some more breath into this place of breathing all the way past the collarbones, past the heart and the rib cage, and then pull the breath down into the low belly and see what it feels like just to breathe here. Immediately I feel I feel calmer. Immediately I feel calmer. And that idea of letting go, I think for me what resonates right now is letting go of the outcome, you know? <laughs> what a beautiful thing. Letting go of the outcome. How many things do we do in life where we're so completely focused on the end product of what we're doing? Right? I mean, oftentimes we have a goal, we have a place, you know, we're going, we have a destination, I need to get here. Whether it is you want to get to the next phase in your career or in your family or, you know, you're building something, creating something, a business, a relationship, looking for something. I mean, something in yourself, you know, who knows, you're creating something. And we get so attached to the idea of what it's going to look like when we're finished that we actually forget to sit back and enjoy the ride on the way there. But what if we stopped obsessing over the end product, over how maybe, you know, it's going to be received in the world? And we just focused on the joy of creating and on the joy of being where we are right now. I think for me, that's a, a life-changing thought. <laughs> I mean, I have that with everyone all the time. I want everybody to be happy all the time. I want everyone to like me. I want to be a part of the group. You know, I don't want to feel left out. I want everyone to be pleased when I create something. You know, if I write something, I want everyone to read it and really feel something, you know, and resonate and if they don't, usually I have this gut reaction of like, oh my God, I did it wrong, <laughs> you know? And sometimes it's like I, I share something through Instagram and two million people are there to read it and a few people don't like what I read or they don't resonate with something I said and my gut instinct is still like, oh my God, I did it wrong. I should have, I should have done it differently because then maybe those, those five people who didn't like it, they would have liked it if I changed something. Never mind the thousands of people who really did like it, but let's focus on those five who didn't you know? And then I think about how could I have changed it? Or how can I bend over backwards to please them? Or maybe I can write them now and make them like me. And it's like my mind goes into this <laughs> spinning space of like, da, 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 and I have to catch myself and go, hey, hey, girl, hey. <laughs> it's one of Looney's favorite sentences still, hey, girl, hey. But like, where are you going with this? You know, where are you going with this? What are you doing with this? You know, who are you pleasing with this? What's, what's the wound here? Really, what's the lack that you're trying to fill? Because it's obviously definitely something. And for me, this is a, a big one to work with, this fear of abandonment that I have. And it's, you know, so present in my life. And it has been for so long since I started doing this personal development work. I know my biggest wound is there. And I know in all of my relationships, sooner or later, it's going to show up. Always always. And I can have a, you know, a bad moment or a bad day or something and something super, super, super simple, like very, very simple. I can be on my way out the door to meet a friend to grab a drink or to go for a pizza or whatever. 
And then last minute, they, they cancel the plans, you know, for whatever reasons, like they didn't have a babysitter or something came up or, you know, life came and got in the way. And instead of, you know, I want to say a normal human being goes, oh, bummer. Okay, well, let's reschedule. Okay, like, and then find something else to do. My immediate gut reaction is always, I did something wrong. You know, actually, these people, they, they don't want to be with me anyway. So, okay, you know, and I can kind of dig myself into a little hole. And usually because I work with this so much, I know this is my wound. I know this is my tendency. My pattern is to drop into this place of self-pity and to feel abandoned all the time, even you know, though there's 99.99% of the time, there's no intention of that at all from the other side, but actually it has nothing to do with them at all. It's just, that's how I'm going to receive it because I have this wound there from when I was little and it was repeated all throughout my life of, you know, losing my mom. Um, I mean, to me it was uh, my mom trying to commit suicide throughout my life was a huge loss. Um, she didn't succeed, so she's always here. So I don't mean losing my mom as in she doesn't exist. She exists, but I lost her many times where I was abandoned by her many times in that sense. And then, you know, losing my dad who moved away and separated and, you know, didn't really come back. And then people dying and loss and then another death and then another death. And it's just been this thing that's manifested enough times in my life that I have this gut reaction to being left out that goes, you know, it's like the little child inside of me goes, oh my God, I'm not welcome here. Or, oh my God, I'm all alone. Or, oh my God, actually, I'm not worthy of this company. Or, oh my God you know, they're leaving me. Everybody's always leaving me. And objectively, you know, as an adult <laughs> sitting here right now, I know it's not true. Of course, of course not. I mean, you know, objectively speaking as an adult, speaking from this grown up mature space, I can see, you know, none of that is true. None of that is true in the present moment. No, you know, I'm overreacting. It's not real. You know, they're canceling for this and that reason. I'm worthy. I have great friends. Lots of people love me. You know, I have, I have a lot of support in my life. I have great family, great friends, you know, and the story that I tell myself, it's not true. But at the same time, there is this little girl inside of me that speaks her truth you know, speaking from that primal place of, hey, I was abandoned. Hey, I was left out. Hey, I had a lot of loss. Hey, all this stuff actually did happen to me. I can't just ignore that either. And some of this work we did during our retreat last week, just just working a little bit with the inner child and how to be complete as adults, you know, we can't ignore our inner child. We can't ignore that side of ourselves that is wounded from when we were little because she lives or he lives inside of us and we're going to react from that place all the time especially if that wound is open and we haven't had the space or safety or time or support or energy to actually heal some of that so what can I do you know I have to acknowledge that hey okay objectively as an adult none of this is real I'm supported I'm not abandoned I'm good I'm loved but I have this little girl inside of me that actually feels all of these things and how can I take care of her too right? How can I make her feel safe? How can I make her feel seen? How can I make her feel held and supported and loved too? And not ignore the fact that I have this side of myself that is really important, you know? So what I do in those moments is usually what I need, I need one of two things. Either I need a moment to be by myself and just alone and sit in silence and maybe journal. Journaling for me can be really helpful in that sense of just writing things down and I write it down the way my inner child speaks. And she might say, no one wants to be with me. No one likes me. I'm not welcome anywhere. I'm abandoned all the time. Everybody dies. Everybody leaves me. And I can just kind of purge myself with all these thoughts that 
that my inner child is actually believing fully. And I can even, and as I'm writing them, you know, sometimes I get super emotional because it feels really real. Because at one point in my life, it was really real. And that idea has been really ingrained in me as I grew up. So a part of it still sits there. And I write and I write and I write. And then, you know, there's going to be inevitably that moment where I kind of snap out of it and I read what I wrote objectively. And then it's almost like I have to laugh a little bit, <laughs> you know, because reading the paper from my adult point of view, it looks ridiculous, you know, because it's not true. Because, you know, I'm <laughs> looking, you know, from my place of absolute total privilege in my life, I'm crazy supported. I have so much. I have more than the average person, you know, I'm super loved. Um, you know, and it's just I have a lot in a, in a material sense. I have a lot in terms of emotional support, in terms of people who love me, family, friends, all that stuff. And then I read that and it's like, oh, you know, can I, I can actually sit here and know that this is not true and also acknowledge the fact that sometimes I feel these things and I need a little reality check. And that reality check is stepping back into my adult space, looking around me and saying, hey, count on all of your fingers, the people you have who are here to support you. All of the people you could call right now and they would pick up and they would be there to listen. I mean, just that, just that. You know, the people you could call right now and they would be there to listen to what you have to say, to give you advice if you want it, to hold a space for you if you need it. Just, you know, a shoulder to lean on, someone to cry with. You know, I have, I have so many of those people. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. I just made the most amazing cinnamon bun cake of all time. I mean, just listen to me say that. I made a cinnamon bun cake, cinnamon bun, cinnamon bun cake. <laughs> I literally made a cake that's like a cinnamon bun, except it's a cake and I put cream cheese frosting on it and it was the best thing ever. I used a mixture of the all-purpose gluten-free flour and garbanzo bean flour and it turned out amazing. One day I'm going to make a recipe book with all of my creations, I swear, but not today. In the meantime, cooking and baking is therapy for me. After finishing a retreat or a training, it's just the first thing that I do. I use it to diffuse energy that I've held for the group in the kitchen. So a cinnamon bun cake happened yesterday. Also, the baby actually uses the toilet now, which brings me a weird amount of joy. And sometimes I look at my baby while eating cake and I just feel really grateful for all of these little moments like baking and potty training and the fact that the sun rose this morning and it was really beautiful. There's so much to be grateful for. I just, I also feel really grateful for companies like Bob's Red Mill that produce quality products that I can actually stand behind and that actually taste delicious. I've been eating gluten-free now for a couple of months and for anyone with celiac disease or gluten sensitivity, all Bob's Red Mill's gluten-free products are processed in a 100% gluten-free facility to ensure no cross-contamination so you can feel super safe and confident with everything you're eating from them. Well, I gotta get back to my cake, but if you wanna learn more about this awesome brand and check out their products and recipes, go to bobsredmill.com right now. And then actually getting back to the, you know, to the root of whatever situation I was just in that triggered this. And sometimes it might be something real. Maybe that I had a person in my life who did something shitty, like didn't invite me somewhere or, you know, something that that's actually, you know, not just in my mind. Then I can sit with that too and I can say, okay, you know, here's what happened and it hurts me because of this. You know, I'm going to be more sensitive in this space because of this and I have to acknowledge that and know that I'm not crazy. It's not insane. Actually, it's valid that I feel these, this way. But do I have to react from that place right now as an adult or 
can I maybe tap into something else? Is there another way for me to respond to that situation? Do I have to lash out or, you know, panic or pity myself or feel like, you know, make myself the victim or, you know, any other things that I maybe go to kind of as my, yeah, to protect myself, I guess. And then when I do this, you know, this little, just, just this inviting a little space to look at it from both sides I can always find a really easy solution to whatever problem I was sitting in and usually a lot of the times it's just speaking my truth and it's just being vulnerable to whoever is on the other end and this might be this might be weird for a new acquaintance but sometimes I'll tell a friend you know hey you know I have these wounds from when I was little where I, I was really left out a lot. So for me, I'm a little sensitive when it comes to canceling plans, for instance. So, you know, maybe next time, could you give me a little more heads up? Or maybe next time, could you explain a little better? Like, you know, I just ask for a little bit more maybe sensitivity in a situation like that, which in the beginning, I would feel ridiculous doing that. Like, hey, can I just be a, an adult and suck it up? Why do I have to be this sensitive? I don't like being sensitive, but it's a practice for me because I didn't grow up that way. I didn't grow up with that kind of vulnerability, letting myself be vulnerable. And immediately what that does to the other person is I let myself be vulnerable. Hey, when you canceled on me last week, I got super sad. I felt like you didn't want to hang out. And that usually puts them in a place of like, what? I felt like you didn't want to hang out with me because you're so busy all the time. And, you know, like you canceled on me last week and you didn't even really say why. And then I can always kind of, I get this like 360 degree thing where I look back and I'm like, oh yeah, I did that last week. <laughs> and here I am on the other end receiving it, you know, and how did that feel? So <laughs> how we project onto other people our own work, you know, the work that's needed in ourselves. When that light bulb goes off, it's just like, oh man, you know, then you just have to tilt your head back at the sky and laugh. And then all of a sudden with that person you were dealing with, when you're honest like that, you're going to be at a way deeper level in your relationship than you were before. You know, and there's not going to be that level of drama. There's not going to be any white lies or, you know, um, keeping things to yourself or not wanting to hurt feelings or, you know, all the little things that we do to each other thinking that we're protecting ourselves or we're protecting the relationship, but that actually just puts more space between us. So I'm trying to, to practice this all the time. I mean, really all the time. Whenever something challenging comes my way, instead of reacting, to just sit with it. Okay, here's what, here is what is, you know, this present moment practice of just, here's what is. I'm in my house right now. I had a really beautiful morning with friends and babies, eating, cooking, <laughs> had a mimosa, it was beautiful, and feeling so content, and then sit down to record the podcast, and then got an email, and then my whole emotional state is thrown off, and I've gone from content to not content why is that? You know, do I have to be so easily thrown from peace? Or is there a practice? Is that that email I sent my way, which is just a tiny thing. I mean, in the scope of life, a tiny, tiny thing doesn't even matter. I mean, in in an hour, I'll, I'll have forgotten all about it, I'm sure. But is it maybe a little key for me just to practice that present moment awareness and get to the root of, okay, well, why did it make me feel sad? Well, hey, because it triggered this and that inside of me actually has nothing to do with that person actually has nothing to do with me or the thing I delivered you know it's a little moment for me to realize that oh okay here was a trigger for me okay I'm going to sit with that for a second maybe share it maybe get vulnerable with it maybe write about it maybe speak about it on the podcast (laughs) and then feel into my body a little bit and just watch that whole scenario change isn't that cool (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm having a moment right now where I'm like, I don't know if any of the things I'm saying are making any sense at all. I feel like in my mind, I'm making a lot of sense right now, at least in my body. But I think to to make this practice a little more applicable, how about we do a little exercise? So you can do it right now if you want to pause and grab a notebook and a pen and just do it right with me, or you can come back to this uh, exercise after the podcast is over. But How about taking a moment to yourself to sit down and write about something super triggering that recently has happened to you or something super challenging that you're sitting with right now? And even if you're having a great day and life is, is swell, you know, we all have a few of those things or maybe many of those things that sometimes we just kind of brush them under the rug and we soldier on, but then they sit there for a while and maybe frustration builds and, you know, what was a small thing in a relationship can become a big issue like Dennis and his socks for me you know like once a month I'll like we'll fight about something and I'll be like ah, you didn't even pick up your fucking socks off the floor you know and our argument has nothing to do with the socks I just throw it in there for no reason because it's in you know it's built up and it's in the back of my head I mean you know it's so stupid I could just laugh at it now I'm lucky my husband doesn't listen to my podcast because he would probably like put more socks on the floor after this episode not that he hears I'm all cool with it then as if you're listening pick up your fucking socks okay <laughs> no but you know that thing that you have that you're struggling with a bit and I mean and not for the practice of you know and this is is a kind of interesting parallel for me because the practice of gratitude is a really 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 important one where we look at our lives and see all the things we have that are working all the things that are super beautiful all the things that we are blessed with 100% so sitting down and lo looking for all the things that don't work it can be a dangerous practice and I don't mean it in a way that you should nitpick and pick apart your whole life and look at all the stuff that's bad no but one of those things that are kind of gnawing at you right now, something that isn't settled. And I don't mean, you know, something dumb. <laughs> I don't mean something super surface that actually doesn't matter to you, but something that's triggering something. Maybe there was a situation in your, in your near past where you reacted stronger to what was presented to you than was warranted. Does that make sense? Where you know, something that maybe on the surface or from the outside looked like a, an easy thing or a small thing and you had a really strong reaction to it. Do you know what I mean? I can give an example now that since I'm being vulnerable for a change, <laughs> since I'm speaking from the heart for a change, so I can share uh, something that I am struggling with a bit or a lot. Not today, it's not, you know, in, in the front of my mind today, but just it comes and goes in my life is my relationship with my dad. And We have a good relationship. I mean, I can call him anytime. We spoke on the phone just yesterday. I mean, we text all the time. We talk a lot. But he has three small kids or one on the way, two small kids and one on the way. And he did something really recently. Actually, he did it twice in two years that on the outside looked like not a thing, like not at all a thing at all. And I lost my shit completely. <laughs> And this is just an example that just came to mind right now because it's a, it illustrates this really well. So my dad posted a photo on Facebook that he was on vacation. And it's like a really beautiful photo with, you know, blue ocean and white sandy beach and so-and-so. And, you know, he's, he's with his son and doing this and that. And, and Dennis goes, hey, Rach, look, like uh, your dad is traveling somewhere. I wonder where he is. Looks cool. And I click on the photo and he's in Jamaica. And just seeing this photo of like him with his kids <laughs> in Jamaica I I had a full-blown meltdown 
<laughs> and I can laugh about it now because this piece, like I'm, I'm over it now, but I, I had a full on meltdown and I just like, what in the world of fuck? He's in fucking Jamaica. And I just start like going off, you know, and Dennis is, is next to me and I like spin off into this thing of anger. Like how the fuck can he do that to me? Like, is he out of his mind? And Dennis is just sitting there looking at me like, what is happening? <laughs> like, why are you freaking out? Like what even? So the backstory to this, of course, you know, it's not that seeing a photo of, of my dad on vacation is a terrible thing, you know. Uh, but for me, I have a really deep-seated wound that my dad wasn't present for me when I was little. That he wasn't there, that my parents divorced or young and he moved away and I saw him rarely and I never felt like he was there. And then I had this kind of longing when I was pregnant that he was all of a sudden going to swoop in and become super grandpa, which is unreasonable, you know, but I had that, like my inner child was like, oh, you know, when I have a baby, he's going to be, you know, because I've heard like kind of like my mom, who's the most amazing grandma of all time. I mean, literally, like our relationship is better than it's been in our lives since, since the baby came. And I had that longing for my dad that we would somehow grow closer by him becoming a grandpa, that we would make up for lost time, that our relationship would grow deeper, that we would have uh, an easier way of spending time together just by having this mutual person to love in between us, kind of like how with me and my mom. And it was this longing that I had. And then what happened? Well, life happened. Didn't turn out that way. You know, he has young kids. He has a daughter that's six weeks older than Lea Luna. She has an aunt that's like a month and a half older than her. It's super weird. He's busy being a dad to toddlers the way I am busy being a mom to toddlers. So he doesn't have the space in his life to be grandpa, you know, at all. And even when we come to Sweden, like, you know, we barely see him. He's met the baby a couple of times, but I've felt since the baby was born, this kind of resentment in my body that he isn't more involved, that he doesn't call more, that he doesn't ask for pictures, that it's kind of like this sadness that I have this wound that like, oh, like I really wanted him to be there for her, but he isn't. And again, it's this present moment <laughs> practice of, can I just accept my dad for who he is? As long, you know, as long as I'm going to sit there wanting him to be something he's not for as long as, you know, every moment I spend wishing for him to be different is going to be a moment of pain for me because he's not going to change. He is who he is. But if I could accept him for what he is, you know, then maybe I would actually be able to appreciate more the small things that he does do or the ways that he actually is present, which now or when I'm in that space of just seeing the lack, I don't even see that at all. Like he'll send a little text. I don't appreciate that because all I can think about is the fact that he never visits, right? And then, of course, since the baby was born, I've been asking, asking, asking for him to come visit. You know, my mom is here every two months. She's in Aruba all the time. My dad has not, not once come to Aruba to visit the baby. He hasn't seen the studio. You know, he hasn't been here in, like, I don't know, five years maybe. And he says he's too busy. He's too busy. And then his main argument for a long time was that it's too hard to travel with the kids. You know, it's really far. And he's like, Rachel, you know how hard it is. And I know how hard it is. It's really hard to travel with the kids. And he's like, you know, all the way Sweden to Aruba, it's the Caribbean. It's crazy far. And, you know, it's just really hard. You guys have to come to Sweden more. So he's had all these excuses as to why he can't come. And most of them have been time and that the travel is really hard. So, you know, and I kind of accepted that. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. 
Ever wonder where your family comes from? I've always been so interested in that, but even more so the stories behind it. I think of my life, I mean, I left Sweden when I was 18, I was in Costa Rica for two years, and I have been in Aruba for 10 years with a husband and a baby girl. I just, I want to know the stories of my ancestors that came before me. If you're interested too, you can discover your story by combining the ancestry DNA test with billions of historical family records. And if you think that's all, ancestry DNA gives you so much more than just the places you're from. You can connect to the places in the world where your story started using precise geographic details and clear-cut historical insights. You can even trace your ancestors' journey over time, following how and why your family moved from place to place. To amplify your results, you can also start a free trial on ancestry and build a family tree so that your ancestors become more than just a name. They've combined DNA results with over 100 million family trees and billions of records to give you more insight into your genealogy and origins. Only ancestry can tell such a rich story with unique features that give more complete picture about each person, like events that shaped them, what school they attended, how they made a living and what they excelled in, which is exactly what I want to know and exactly why I signed up. I'm super excited to learn about my results and build a family tree so I can come back to it again and again. For a limited time now through May 13th, you can go to Ancestry.com slash Yoga Girl to get your Ancestry DNA kit for $59. That's Ancestry.com slash Yoga Girl for $59. Ancestry.com slash Yoga Girl. So when all of a sudden a photo pops up without him telling me that he traveled to the Caribbean, <laughs> Jamaica is like a puddle jump away right he traveled all the way from Sweden to the Caribbean and he didn't come see me you know it was just a huge trigger for me it was like this like trigger of feeling abandoned of feeling lack of feeling like he's not a present dad of maybe he doesn't love me and does he even love the baby does he care he doesn't want to be a grandpa Ugh. all this stuff that I have inside just kind of exploded out of me seeing that photo <laughs> And, you know, I ended up sending him like a really angry text, you know, something as along the lines that well, I wish I could read it right now. But, I, you know, like, um, you know, oh, I, I can I can tell how how traveling to the Caribbean with with a young child is so hard for you. The bummer you couldn't make it to Aruba since it's so far away. Like I wrote something like passive aggressive, you know, like I can smile at it now. Super pissed. And he writes me back the way he always does, which is so annoying, but he does it really well. Anytime I get upset with anything he does, he, he like sends me love. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> oh, like he's like, oh, honey, you know, I love you so much. And of course, next time we travel, we'll come to Aruba. You know, it was just, there was a really good flight to Jamaica. Uh, it was, it was really easy and it was a direct flight. So, you know, no big deal. And on his end, Looking at it now, because I've processed this a bit, I don't think he thought at all about the fact that maybe Aruba was an option. Knowing my dad, he really loves a good deal. He's, you know, he's super, super into deals of any kind. Like if he can get a discount on anything, like he'll do it. He barters at the grocery store. I mean, really, he barters everywhere. He's really into saving money and getting good deals. So probably there was like a deal, you know, taking a straight flight, going to Jamaica. He was like, oh man, let's take a vacation. Okay, cool. And then he didn't think about me. So probably that was it. You know, he probably doesn't spend as much think time thinking about me as I would like. But the, the fucker has seven kids, <laughs> seven children. So if anything, you know, I would get a seventh of his time if all his time was consumed with his children, which it isn't. He runs a business. He has a ton of employees. He does all this other stuff, you know. 
So no big deal, you know, I'm an adult, but all of that just kind of came out. I was so triggered and he just wrote me back, you know, I love you so much and we're going to come to Aruba, you know, don't be upset, which triggered me even more. Like, you know, can you just acknowledge the fact that this hurts me <laughs> and why can't you just be a better dad and la, 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 you know? So like, that's a really good example of having something that seemingly looks like not a big deal, but that I reacted really strongly, like bigger than it was warranted. And it was because I had all of these swallowed frustration, the swallowed sadness that I sat with for a long time. And then it all came out. And then actually, interestingly, when was it? It was like a month ago or so. No, I don't know. A couple of months ago, he told me he was having another baby. I mean, he just doesn't quit. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, congratulations, la, la, la. And then he said, well, are you really happy for me? And, you know, of course I am. It has nothing to do, like, it's not like I'm upset that he's having kids, you know, like I want him to be happy. He's really happy in his life. If he's happy, I'm happy. It's good. But, I, and then I was, I took a breath and I was like, you know, should I just tell the truth? And I said, well, yeah, you know what? I am happy for you. I want you to be happy. I just think it sucks that you're a shit grandpa. <laughs> and I said it exactly like that. I was like, I just think it sucks that you're a shit grandpa. And then he got, he was like quiet for a second. And he was like, I know I am. I'm sorry. I know. I, I, I should have made a bigger effort. You know, it's really, it's really a shame. I'm, I'm ashamed that we haven't been to see you in so long. You know what? This year, I'm going to come visit you. I, I really am. And he just said it, you know, so honestly, so real. You know, yeah, you know, that is what it is. It's true, you know, and I'm going to make a bigger effort. And then I was like, oh, thank you. I said, I would love that. I would, we would love to see you. I only get upset because I miss you. I said, I only get upset because I love you and I want to be with you, you know, and I want the baby to have a grandpa. And then we had this kind of heart meeting moment. Like I'm tearing up sharing this now because it's kind of rare for me to have, have like a heart to heart moment with my dad. But because in that moment I was able to just say what I felt instead of just swallowing it, you know, so I didn't have to come out later when I saw something on Facebook, but it could come out in that moment. And then, then like yesterday, he texted me. He's like, hey, found beautiful flights to come to Aruba in fall. Like, are these dates okay? And I'm like, yeah. So now, you know, he's actually coming. <laughs> so I like to believe that when we're able to sit with that in a different way, you know, and not just be triggered and react and be like, well, fuck you because you didn't do what I expected you to do or you're not the dad I want you to be, you know. Actually, life doesn't work that way. And the more time I feel Fight, spend fighting him, wishing him to be different, the more agony I'm going to have. The faster I can just accept that this is the dad I was blessed with. I got the perfect dad for me. He's teaching me all the things I have to learn about life. I mean, I, had, I received the perfect parents for me in this life. You know, I really believe a piece of us chooses our parents and they do the best they can. You know, our parents aren't perfect no matter how hard we try or want them to be. And there's going to be a moment in my life where my daughter looks at me like, what the fuck? was that <laughs> and I'm not going to understand any of it you know it's just part of growing up it is it is so to not resist right what we resist persists to not resist but to step back and see okay you know is there a way for me to detach from this personally to give a little more space to maybe look at it objectively to see what the trigger is so if you have space, I mean, right after this podcast to just sit down, think about that situation that really triggered you and maybe just start writing and you can even take the, the first sentence, you can do a stream of consciousness journaling, something that recently triggered me was, and then just keep writing something that recently triggered me was dot, 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 and just write, 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 see what comes. You can do this also sharing with a friend, just sitting face to face with someone and start speaking and just something that recently triggered me was or write. 
and see what comes and see if you can take that situation, that scenario, really sit with it, feel it, separate the current scenario, like the, the details around exactly what happened and really get into the feeling, you know, what wound was it that was triggered in that space? Why did that hurt you so much? You know, if there's anger there, usually there's sadness underneath. You know, maybe there's sadness because there's a loss. If we react strongly to something, usually it's because there is a lot of love there. You know, I react really strongly when my dad does stuff like that because I love him so much and I so badly want him to love me back, you know, which he does in his way. And if it doesn't match my exact idea of what I would like it to be, you know, it's going to cause me pain my whole life. So how much easier would it be if we could accept the people in our lives for who and what they are? And sometimes, and here's when it gets really interesting, we do that type of work where we look at the people in our lives, especially the challenging people and, and give them more space to just be who they are. And the relationship blossoms from there. You know, like I had that moment with my dad and now we're, you know, after that we had a heart to heart moment because of that. But sometimes, you know, sometimes we have fucking assholes in our lives that don't deserve our time. Also a hundred percent true. Sometimes we do this kind of work and we realize actually, yeah, I need to detach from this altogether. You know, I have no space for this person in my life at all. And then maybe the answer that comes from that is to completely separating ourselves from that person. You know, maybe you have someone abusive in your life. Maybe you have someone who's deeply hurting you. And it's not just a trigger from something old, but they're creating new pain or new trauma for you right now. You know, then you got to get the hell out of that place right, right now. You know, don't stay in that. So it's a, it's a delicate thing, but once we do that work, I find at least we can get some clarity in terms of, okay, here's what I need to know about me. You know, here's the things I have to work with here. And it can also, it's not like, you know, if I work enough with myself, I can deal with everyone. I think in the long run, maybe that's true. If I work enough with myself, if I become an enlightened being, yeah, <laughs> I can deal with anyone, but that's not where we are. You know, we're all humans and we're all doing the best we can. So if I work enough on myself, I'll be able to create more blossoming relationships, more truth in my relationships. But I may also realize that there are people in my life that I should not be wasting my time on or that I should not allow to steal my precious energy and I need to remove myself from them immediately. And if that's the case, then that's the case too. So I would love to hear from you if you do this exercise about what's triggering you, how that felt, if you can get to a deeper space inside of yourself in terms of the wound that was triggered there and what's actually true. You know, so if you feel like you get some clarity there, oh, okay, I'm triggered because of this and this for me is old. Maybe look in other areas of your life because if we have a big wound that's open, chances are it's leading the way in life and maybe we're triggered all the time, you know, here, here and here. And it might actually, actually fully change your life, just recognizing that that's a space that's there and it's something that requires a bit of healing. I just realized it's 10 past two and I have to drive someone to the airport. <laughs> Speaking of truth, I love you guys so much. Thank you for doing this work with me. Please let me know if you did this journaling exercise, how it worked, how it went, and if you realized something about yourself and um, we'll continue next week. I love you and see you soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find them all on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, anywhere you normally get your podcasts. And of course, leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Oatly, TransferWise, Ancestry, and Bob's Red Mill. Please support them the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you next week.